Good morning, Fellowship Bible Church. We're so excited you're worshiping with us today. We're going to continue in the book of Ephesians, and it's so exciting to see what God is working and doing in each of our lives. So we're going to have a time of worship with music, through prayer, and through preaching and teaching. And I'll see you in a little bit. Welcome to Fellowship Bible Church. It's a beautiful Sunday morning. If you guys would, stand with us. Come in from the foyer as we begin to worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, as a church body. Praise God that we get to worship Him together. When I search the world it couldn't feel me A man's empty praise Treasures that fade Never enough and You came along Put me back together and Every desire is not satisfied here in your love cause there's nothing better than you there's nothing better than you Lord there's nothing nothing is better than you and I'm not the God of the mountain. He's the God of the valley. And there's not a thing mercy and grace won't find me again. Oh, cause there's nothing better than you. There's nothing Better than 
turns graves into gardens. And of course, I think about that in a spiritual sense. But this morning, Memorial Day weekend, driving here past Highway 84, and you see all the flags that are out across the street. And I thought about those graves allowed us to come into a church that is clearly marked. Fellowship Bible Church has a cross on the roof, and we get to worship the Lord. Amen? Amen. Well, have a seat. So good to see you guys. Good to see a full room. Thank you for coming and spending Sunday morning with us. If you're a guest, we're really glad that you're here, and we do want to make sure that you don't just stay a guest, but that we're able to meet you, learn your name. And so if you would fill out in the bulletin uh, the connection card, and if you turn it in the welcome desk, we have a gift for you, and then just allows us, Pastor Grant sends a, a personalized note, and we just want to invite you in. Well, we've been in this series in Ephesians 6 for a while called True Church. And we want to use this time this morning to do what we call a quick rewind and talk about how this church from Fellowship Bible Church is going out into the community to live out the gospel. And so we've asked Aaron Davis to come up and give us a, a brief recap of what our outreach team has done. I'm not sure why they wanted her to do that. Maybe they thought my hair would be distracting or something. And so they thought, let's have somebody else. That way you'll pay attention uh, to this rewind. So, Aaron? Wow. <laughs> well, good morning. It's been another rewarding ah sorry. It's been another rewarding year of ministry in local schools, and we just wanted to give you a glimpse of that this morning. So Stars Book Clubs, did you know that for 5 years now we've been a part of Stars in Waco ISD, joining with 30 other Waco churches? to mentor elementary students. Um, this is really fun because it's a collaboration of churches. It brings believers together to work to see every student in Waco read and succeed in school. And test scores have shown, have, have shown proven results in reading each year, so that's really rewarding. Our book clubs take place during one lunch period each week. We read with a small group, talk about life, encourage the kids, and build relationships. So this year, Fellowship had 13 volunteers mentoring almost 40 students at Brook Avenue and J.H. Hines Elementaries. One mentor new to the program this year said this, I absolutely love spending time with these kids. They are precious, and I probably get more out of our time than they do. I'm praying for them this summer, and I can't wait to see them again in the fall. Well, also this year, we partnered with Spiegelville Elementary in Midway ISD to launch a new mentoring program there. And this is exciting because it is just down the road from Fellowship. We're calling it Lunch Buddies. And this pilot program had mentors from our church leading 14 small groups each week. We were able to mentor kids in kindergarten through fifth grades, building relationships with 15% of the students there. So this involved, again, one lunch period a week, 30 minutes, reading, building relationships, encouraging, and providing emotional support. So pictured in our last slide are most of the mentors from STARS and Lunch Buddies combined. In addition to spending time with children, which we all loved, Fellowship also had the opportunity to collect donations of needed supplies at J.H. Hines in the middle of the year, and we were able to encourage teachers and staff with breakfast on star testing days and lunch during Teacher Appreciation Week. So we want to say thank you to our church body for contributing to these efforts as we invest in the next generation 
and the schools that are investing in them. And thank you to all of our dedicated volunteers each week in these schools. These community partnerships give us opportunities to love our neighbors out of our love for the Lord and for his word. Fellowship is reaching out to our city with the love of Christ in a variety of ways. And if you would like to learn more, you can check out our website, the Outreach Ministry page. Thank you. Thanks, Aaron. Yeah, it's been great to, to see the church as we grow deep reaching out. And she comes home and talks about stories of the, the girls that she has met in her groups, how they run up to her in school when they see her and they want to hold hands, they want to hug. So they are really forming relationships uh, in, in these areas. And it's, so it's been great to see and we have more to come next year on that. Well, we want to give a quick summer preview as we head into the official Memorial Day weekend, summertime. It, it's not just a time to check out and then rejoin in August. Yep, we want to do family vacations, we want to recharge, we want to go and do things, but we also still want to stay involved. We still want to serve, we still want to grow, and so there's really something for every age that's up there. Uh, one thing that we do want to highlight for sure, though, is our place workshop that's coming up in June. So we've talked about that a couple times, that if you have ever thought, I know God has gifted me with something, I'm not quite sure what it is, and you really want to find your place in ministry, in church, in life, we want to encourage you to sign up for that workshop, and we will walk through step-by-step process uh, to do that. And so there's lots of things going on. FX camp, of course, uh, big among them in a couple weeks. So if you have a, a camper, just want to make sure that you know to stop at the port cachet on your way out and grab that camp packet for FX. All right. As we head back towards worship, our next song is A Thousand Hallelujahs. And when we first introduced that song, we mentioned that you know, hallelujah just means to praise the Lord. And yesterday, in my, just my daily Bible reading, I came across Psalm 117, and it speaks to that idea of a thousand hallelujahs, praising the Lord. And so I'm going to read it to you, the whole psalm, all two verses. So don't worry, it's two verses. Praise the Lord, all you nations. And that's this morning, there is praise going on, not just here, not just across town, not just across the state, but across the world, praising his name. Extol him, all you peoples, for great is his love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord, his love and his faithfulness, the eternal one who made you, who knit you, who sent his son to die for you in the grave that we might be with him forever. That one uh, is worthy of praise. And again, he loves each and every one of us. So with that, would you stand and sing and we will add to those thousand hallelujahs.
the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Exact words of this song. Just uh, focus on Christ and, and bless his name. God will give you all the glory.
buried sin and shame, guilt over every man, lead all I've gone, held into your to sing a thousand hallelujahs to our King of Kings. That's why we're here this morning. So we want to take a moment just to still our hearts through a time of prayer and to be about the Father's business, learning His Word so that we can go out and make a difference in this world. You have a seat with me this morning as we take time to pray. God, we come before you.
And you are holy and mighty. You are awesome in glory. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and you are the ruler of this universe. And we have the privilege this morning, God, of coming before you and bowing our hearts and our minds in admiration and in awe, and specifically in worship this morning. Lord, we have to worship you through song and through the hearing of your word, worship you through the response in our heart. So God, we ask that this morning we are intentional about why we are here. Would you, this morning there in your chair, just take a moment to think about all God has done in your life and to praise Him for those moments or praise Him for what He's doing right now. Would you just take a moment and do that there in your chair? Oh, Lord, we praise you and we thank you. And Lord, we want to make sure that our hearts prepare to hear your word being taught. Lord, that we'll listen on purpose, that we'll engage in who you are and what you have for us this morning. Would you, there in your seat this morning, would you just take a moment and ask the Lord to, to speak directly to you through his word? Would you let him know your heart and your mind is open to being encouraged and equipped, to being convicted, to being changed? And Lord, this morning, as Ryan has mentioned, we meet on a Memorial Day weekend. We remember those who have paid the ultimate sacrifice so that we could meet on a campus this morning to worship you freely without any concern of being jailed or any concern of uh, being told not to. And God, we thank you for those men and women who have laid down their life for that freedom. Would you take a moment this morning and just reflect and remember those who ultimately sacrificed so that we could be doing exactly what we're doing this morning here in this country? God, we're also thankful this morning that we have the opportunity to just a few days send a group of teenagers and students and leaders off to a mountaintop so they can go to camp, be away from the distractions of this world, to be able to focus on your word and to focus on your gospel and what it means to be a follower of Christ. Lord, we pray for students' lives to be changed, whether it be through salvation or sanctification. or God, it's an opportunity for them to go and to be with you. And God, we pray safety for these students and leaders. We pray that lives are changed and, and hearts are deepened in their walk with you. As they come back, they'll 
be able to make a difference in their sphere of influence. Would you take a moment as a church and can we just pray together for the safety of these students we'll be sending to camp? Pray for their spiritual awareness as they go and pray that God will not only do what he says he's going to do, but pray for these students to receive that. this morning, let's just confess any sin that might be in our life that's been unconfessed to our Lord so that there will not be anything impacting what we hear this morning that we can be in right relationship with the Father just take a moment of confession this morning and just take that to the Lord God, we look forward to what you have for us this morning. Let us be alert. Let us be attentive. Lord, let us learn from you. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Well, good morning. My name is George Olmstead. I'm one of the pastors here on staff here at Fellowship, and I get the privilege of sharing God's Word with you this morning. And we do have a family service, so a lot of children in here. So we're going to get into the meat of the Word this morning. We're going to have some fun illustrations at the end, and we're going to really, really hope to bring home uh, this entire idea of the armor of God. Uh, As a matter of fact, this morning we continue in our study through the book of Ephesians, and you will find yourselves in chapter 6 verse 17. So if you want to turn there, also at the same time, if you want to look at the picture on the screen for just a moment, we have a really nice picture, very peaceful picture. Um, As a matter of fact, this young lady is enjoying her day, I'm sure, enjoying her bike ride. Uh, But I want us to take a second just to examine the picture. And I want someone to tell me if they notice anything about this picture that stands out. That's little baby, not good. Somebody just yell it out. She's on the wrong side, okay. What else? No helmet. Absolutely. No helmet. Now listen, there's not a law in the state of Texas that requires you to wear a helmet uh, statewide. There's some city ordinances in different cities that uh, apply to minors or even if you're riding on certain roads. But but really, um, she's not wearing her helmet. I wonder if she just maybe forgot her helmet. Or maybe she doesn't make a habit of wearing a helmet. Or how about this? Maybe she just doesn't care about wearing a helmet. I know that's a fight with our kids, but... I wonder maybe if her parents even care if she wears a helmet. Let me ask you a question, though. If this young lady had a helmet on, would she be better protected? Yeah. Would she be better prepared if she wore a helmet? Yes. Could she be more confident if she wore a helmet? Now, we don't want our kids too confident, right, on the bike, building the ramps, jumping off, but she would be more confident. The answer to these questions are a resounding yes. As a matter of fact, our passage in Ephesians addresses the importance of putting on your helmet every day. However, Paul is not talking about a bicycle helmet, but instead he's talking about another piece of the armor of God. And if you've been with us or just joining us over the last few weeks, we've taken each piece of the armor addressed by Paul We've taken our time in understanding the protection it brings against our enemy, the devil, who we know is 
seeking to devour. He is roaming around. He uh, is desiring to destroy lives. We've also understand that the importance of putting on this armor, it's important that we do it daily. So Ephesians 6.17 reads, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So we see two pieces of armor addressed here in verse 17, and and we're going to take time to look at both of these pieces this morning. And here's the deal. We must continue to understand that we are in a spiritual battle. And in that spiritual battle, we must have a few things taken care of. We must be prepared for it. We must be confident in it. And we must stay protected from it. So let's look at the last two pieces of armor this morning. The first piece we see is the helmet of salvation. And what are we told? We are actually told to take it, to take the helmet of salvation. And in the Greek, this word take literally means to receive. So we are to receive the offer of salvation from the Lord. And uh, as you and I know, salvation is, is multifaceted. What I mean by that is this. The believer is justified once and for all. We are sanctified unto completion and we are glorified upon entering into the presence of Jesus. So salvation is offered by God. It's received by the believer and it is past, present, and future. And if you followed through the book of Ephesians with us, we understand that Paul speaks to each aspect of salvation throughout the book. He tells us in different places, we are saved the very moment we commit our lives to Jesus Christ. We, we do that through repentance and placing our faith and trust in him. And what takes place directly in that moment is this. We are positionally righteous before God and we're freed from the penalty of sin of our sin specifically. And so we also understand that according to the last three chapters of Ephesians, we are being sanctified, meaning that uh, we are being saved right now as we live out that righteousness and no longer are under the power of sin. So when we're, when we're justified, that penalty of sin that, that, that damns us from eternal separation from God forever, we are, we're freed from that, that penalty. The price has been paid through Christ. In our sanctification, we understand that, listen, we're not perfected when we're saved, but we we know that sin is still going to be a temptation. We know that uh, sin is going to be before us, but but in the growing process and and the maturing in our faith, we understand that we are no longer under the power of the sin because the Holy Spirit lives within us, and we can overcome that sin through his power. We can resist it. We can flee from it. It can no longer be a temptation. So we, we see that justification is sanctification, but in one day we understand this, that we will be glorified in the presence of Jesus and our salvation will be complete. And so, so Paul is writing here of the hope we have in our salvation. He's, this helmet of salvation is speaking of the hope of looking to that day of glorification. And so we want to understand this morning uh, about the helmet of salvation, that it's vital in our life, that it's vital putting it on every day. And so we want to 
understand this. We want to look at the picture and the purpose and the promise of the helmet of salvation. So first, let's look at the picture of the helmet. There's a big picture of the helmet on the screen for you. And as Paul is writing this letter, he is painting a familiar picture that would be recognizable in not only in his time, but we actually understand what it looks like as well. The Roman soldier did what? He, he wore a helmet. It was a, a piece of armor that he dare not enter into battle without. You do not go on the battlefield without your helmet. And, and these helmets, they were made of thick leather or brass, and uh, they were fitted to the soldier's head. And it was usually uh, crowned with a plume or a crest as an ornament. Now, what happens? The, the helmet would protect the soldier's head. What from? From rocks, from swords, from clubs, from battle axes. Paul is using the picture of the helmet, protecting the soldier's head, so that we might understand it's just as important for the believer to protect our head. This picture leads us to the purpose of the helmet of salvation. The the believer's head, specifically our mind, must be protected by the attacks of the enemy. By, by taking and putting on the helmet of salvation, the believer is prepared for the attacks from the evil one. Now, I'm going to mention two attacks that we need to be careful of and be prepared for that really speak to the mind. And they are two of the killer D's that Grant has talked about throughout this sermon series. And we'll address a few more of them later. But, but really, the two that really affect our mind is doubt and discouragement. What does Satan love to do? Satan loves, loves to cause us to doubt who we are in Christ. Doubt is a powerful adversary. Doubt can lead to anxiety, to fear, to being stuck with with no understanding in, in which way to move forward. But we understand this doubt goes hand in hand with discouragement. Man, Satan loves to discourage us in our Christian walk, does he not? Here's, he tries to actually get us to question whether following Jesus is worth it or not. And, and he'll bring all kinds of discouraging thoughts into our minds. Thoughts like this. Well, hey, you go to church every week and you read your Bible every day, but, but your husband or your wife still doesn't treat you like you should, so why do it? Or, or how about this? Hey, you know, you've raised your kids up in the Lord, but man... They're not really any different than, than other kids. You know, you've, you've prayed to God, but, but your health hasn't improved. In fact, it's actually gotten worse. How about those of you who've taught children's Bible study classes for a few years? How do you know if, that, if they're really even getting anything out of it? You know, can I tell you, I, I'm not immune to this kind of discouragement. As a matter of fact, Satan tries to discourage me. And get me to question whether all that I do each week really even makes any kind of difference in the lives of others. But I want to share with you a little secret this morning. How you and I serve the Lord, how we go about doing the good work that God has prepared for us before time, how, how we love God and we love others, how we train up our children up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Children in this room this morning, how you obey your parents as an act of worship. Let me tell you this morning, everyone, it all matters. Oh, but Satan will try to tell you it doesn't. 
our relationship with Jesus Christ, putting on the helmet of salvation, the purpose in it is to protect the believer's mind from doubt and discouragement. And like I said, we'll see later, to, to really protect our mind against all the killer deeds. The helmet of salvation not only protects us from the attacks and temptations, but I want to share with you this morning that it also provides a promise. Boy, the promise of the helmet of salvation, it does this. You know what it does for us? It brings an unmatched confidence to the believer. It's convincing us of our complete salvation. I don't know about you. I, I'm, I'm thankful that I can be confident in Christ and not in myself. Because listen, I'm going to face trials, temptations. I'm going to face some really, really bad days. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be susceptible to those attacks. And I have to understand and practice and live out that God has allowed me to put the helmet of salvation on each day so that when I face those trials, tribulations, or attacks, that I go, listen, listen, I'm not confident in myself, but I am confident in Christ who will help me work through this and overcome it. That's what I love about the helmet of salvation. It gives us a promise. Well, George, how can you be so sure? Well, let me tell you, I'm not going to use my words this morning. As a matter of fact, I didn't put all the scripture references that I'm going to use this morning up on the screens. And so I know you're going to try to write them down, but at the back on the two tables as you exit, there are some, some just little uh, half pieces of paper that have all the scripture references. And if we've run out, you can always email and we can send you all the scripture references. But I really want to just let the scripture speak to the scripture this morning. How do I know I can have confidence as I put on this helmet of salvation? How do I know there's a promise? First John 5.13. 1 John 5.13. These things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. There's the promise of eternal life. Titus 3, 5 through 7. I'll say it again. Titus 3, 5 through 7. He saved us not on the basis of deeds, which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Remember that helmet of salvation is, is looking towards our complete salvation, the glorification when we see Christ in heaven. Philippians 1.6, Philippians 1.6, for I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. John 10, 27 through 29, John 10, 27 through 29, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give eternal life to them and, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. What a promise that God keeps us and completes us. Hebrews 6, 11 and 12. Hebrews 6, 11 and 12. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end. So that you will not be sluggish but imitators of those who through faith and patient do what? Inherit the promises. And then Romans 13, 11 says this, do this knowing the time that it is ready, already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. For now salvation is nearer to us than when we 
believe. Hey, each day we wake up, we are one moment closer to being with Jesus. And the day you don't wake up, guess where you are if you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, repented of your sins? Where do you find yourselves? In the presence of God. Wow, that's a win-win situation, isn't it? I don't know about you, I like those odds. Those are good. Win-win. And that's what God has done for us. As a matter of fact, you think about this, when you're riding a bike, it may be optional to put on the helmet, but, but when you fall, there's a good chance your head is going to suffer an injury. As a matter of fact, I have a good pastor friend of mine who um, got into some electric bike riding. A little faster ride and go a little quicker. And uh, anyways, he was out for a ride one day, didn't have his helmet on, fell, and suffered some severe brain trauma. Weeks and weeks and months and even a year's worth of surgery to correct that. And, And he's back in the pulpit today, praise the Lord. But he will tell you this, where your helmet. Why? Because his experience is the consequences of not putting it on. Folks, it is no different. That's what Paul is telling us right now. Listen, this goes with the same of the, of the helmet of salvation. You, you can choose not to wear it, but, but beware. When attacks, temptation, and trials come, your mind is going to suffer the consequences of doubt and discouragement. However, when you put the helmet on daily, you will be prepared to face the attacks with confidence because you are convinced of your complete salvation. Listen, as believers, we are to be confident and convinced of our complete salvation. And folks, that convincing of complete salvation, that confidence, it comes because it's not through us, it's through Jesus Christ. So we see the helmet of salvation, but there's a second piece of armor this morning that we need to look at. And this is the sword of the Spirit. So I want to share the picture and the purpose and the power and the promise of the sword of the Spirit. First, the sword was an essential part of the armor. And here's the great thing. Now we are not only receiving another defensive piece of protection, but now we are being granted an offensive piece, a weapon. That sword was short, double-edged. It resembled uh, a dagger. Soldiers had many weapons at their disposal, but you know what they wouldn't be caught without? Their sword. They relied heavily on it. Likewise, any believer would not want to be caught without their sword. And so when we are saved, we understand that in that moment we're indwelt with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit begins to illuminate our understanding of Scripture and empowers us to not only become knowledgeable of the Word, but doers of the Word. We see that the sword of the Spirit is what? Is the Word of God. And we have it written to us for daily instruction. We have it given to us so that we might know God's glory and know His purpose and we can carry out what it's like to live the Christian life. The Word of God, the sword, is a non-negotiable when it comes to the armor. When we, uh, when we picture the soldier's dagger, we see that now he can defend himself, but also attack that enemy as well. 
So the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, as we, uh, and as we picture the Word of God, we see that this allows us to defend our faith. Do you, do you find it comforting that we are able to look to Scripture and be able to defend our faith? I do. I'll be honest, there's a lot of folks in this room. You are, you are very, very intelligent. You, the world of academia, you knocked that out of the, out of the park. Not everybody like, is like that. So for me, I, I need the Word of God. I need to hide it upon my heart so that I can defend the Word of God. I can defend my faith with God's Word. Because He speaks best for Himself. So when we look at this, we understand that we can face the enemy with confidence, with boldness, and with truth. So what's the purpose of the sword? We've seen the picture, but what's the purpose of the sword? It's to be prepared to face the enemy in our daily lives. And the way we are purposely prepared is found in these following passages. Again, we've already talked about 1 John 5, 13. I'll read it again. These things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. So the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. There is purpose given to us through the word of God. And here's what he says in Psalm 119, 105. The psalmist writes, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. The purpose of the word of the Spirit and the word of God is to reveal God's glory. It's to point his very good creation to salvation. It's to provide instruction to you and I, his children, and to be a guide for believers as they walk through this dark and weary world world. Listen, the word of God provides a confidence that is unmatched. The picture and purpose of the sword leads us to understanding the power of the sword. Praise God. His word is powerful. It's living. It's breathing. It's inerrant. It's infallible. It is powerful. And and when we hide God's word upon our heart, guess what? It now becomes the heartbeat of who we are. And it provides for you and I, it provides us the opportunity to face this world day in and day out with a powerful confidence. Listen to some scriptures that will back this up. Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as the division of the soul and the spirit of both joint and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That's what I love about the Word of God. It's not just some piece of history. It's not just another book on the bookshelf. There's a reason why it's withstood the test of time. There's a reason why the enemy wants to do away with it. And you find the Word of God being burned or find the Word of God being taken away. It is powerful. Romans 1.16 Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So what's within the power of the word of God? It is the story of the gospel. From cover to cover, how God will redeem his children 
How God provides grace through the sacrifice of his son so that the penalty and the power of sin can be defeated. Folks, the word of God is powerful. It changes lives. It transforms lives from sinful to saint. 1 Corinthians 1.18 1 Corinthians 1.18 says this, For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. In every aspect of our salvation, the word of God is powerful. It's, it's powerful in our justification. It's, it's powerful in our sanctification. And it's powerful in pointing us toward the hope of our glorification. Listen, it provides confidence in fending off the enemy in every situation. That power leads to us having understanding also of the promise of the sword. The promise that the word of God brings. This book, this Bible, this holy scripture, this written word of God, let me tell you this morning, it is powerful and it has and is full of promises. 2 Corinthians 5.17 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Look at the promise that we're given from the moment we are saved. We have the promise of being made new. Man, new is always good. Being made new in Christ I'm no longer under the penalty and the power of sin. I made new. Listen, if you were here this morning and you've never heard the truth of the gospel or for the first time you were hearing the truth of the gospel and understanding it and and desiring to receive it, let me tell you, it is our prayer that you hear the truth of God's word, that he desires for you to be made new in him, to have your sins forgiven, to have life everlasting to be able to walk this world with a confidence. The promise of being made new. Galatians 5, and 23. Many of you can recite this uh, off the top of your head. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Galatians 5, and 23. It's the promise to become more like Christ. And I love it when we're saved. We're not said, hey, we're just going to leave it up to you to how you figure this out, Right? When we're saved, we now have the ability to grow and to mature, to be more Christ-like, to learn how to love, to learn how to be kind, to learn how to have that self-control, to learn how to to be a, a better influence in our sphere for the gospel of Jesus instead of just ourselves. The promise to be made new. The promise to be more Christ-like. 2 Peter 1, 5-8 continues and says this, Now for this very reason also applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. Listen to verse 8. 2 Peter 1, 5-8. Listen to verse 8 right here. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing... They render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. What a promise. Let me me just ask you a question. You're on a team. You're in a battle. 
Do you want to be next to the guy who is useless and unfruitful? Yes or no? Absolutely not. You want to be over here with the guys like, let's go. I'm ready. I'm prepared. I'm useful. That's where we want to be. And the Bible promises us if we are adding these into our faith, we're applying this diligence that God is maturing us and he is promising to strengthen you for use in his army. Well, I don't know about you, but I do not want to be a bench warmer. I do not want to be a sideline fanatic. I want to be on the front lines serving Jesus Christ, leading others to him, discipling those who know him, and being an example for him. Not perfect. I'm going to mess up. going to make mistakes. I'm going to sin. I'm going to do things that are not for the Lord, but my pursuit is to be sanctified and maturing in the faith so that those are less and less and less until the day that I get to see Christ face to face. The last promise I want to share with you this morning is Revelation 21, 22 through 27. And it reads this, Revelation 21, 22 through 27. I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of the sun or of the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God has illuminated it, and its lamp is the Lamb. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it in the daytime, for there will be no night there. Its gates will never be closed, and they will bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. And nothing unclean, and no one who practices abomination and lying shall ever come into it, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. What a promise! The promise of eternal life in heaven with our Lord. Folks, the word of God is full of promises. And our God is able to keep every one of them. The sword of the Spirit, the word of God was given to us with purpose. It provides for us power and it's full of promises. But listen, the only way we're able to use the sword of the Spirit, both offensively and defensively, is to know it from cover to cover. As believers, we are to be competent in our use of the Word of God. You can be knowledgeable, but we must be competent. We must be able to take that knowledge and use it in our day-to-day life with ourselves and with others. Here's why. The devil is feisty. He is manipulative and knowledgeable of the Word of God He will twist it. He'll turn it in any way possible to be used for his glory and purpose. So here's the deal, believer. It's up to us to be able to defend our faith, to stay true to God's word, to be able to point out those false teachers and false doctrines. We must be competent in our use of the word. This morning, we've had a really good time looking at the word of God being challenged and maybe there's conviction or maybe there's just some 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 new eyes on a on a very familiar passage but listen putting on the helmet of salvation taking it putting it on arming ourselves with the sword of the spirit it is of the utmost importance so what we're going to do to close this morning I'm going to ask my daughter to Gabrielle to, to join me on stage so she's going to come and she's going to stand she's the much more beautiful person on stage now and so Gabrielle, yes, she's beautiful. Y'all can say amen to that. That's true. Not so loud. All right. So what we're going to do is she's going to help us just have a picture. 
We're just going to put on the armor of God this morning. Because here's the deal. I think sometimes we wake up in the morning and, and we put on parts of the armor of God. But really, we, we fail to put on every piece. And so, like, our morning should really look like this. We should, we should grab the, the belt of truth. And, and the belt of truth should be put on the very first piece. We put that belt of truth on. Is that on there good, sweetheart? It is. And what is the belt of truth? The belt of truth is allowing us to know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We are to be firmly founded in him. Listen, if the, if the belt of truth is wrong, there's no reason to be putting any else, any of the other armor on. Our belt of truth must be the truth of Jesus. So we see that. And then next we, we come to the breastplate of righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness. And so we put that on and we understand that the the breastplate of righteousness, what are we to do? We're to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It's not, it's not us. There's nothing righteous within us. It's whom he is and whom he's molding us to be. And so we, we got on us, uh, the, the breastplate of righteousness. And then, then we put on our shoes and the shoes are the gospel of peace. And so um, she does own shoes at home, but we couldn't get these over the shoes. So that's why we're doing this this morning. All right. So um, didn't want to think that we make our child go barefoot all the time. All right. So uh, we put on our shoes, the gospel of peace. And what's the importance of doing this? It means that we're prepared. We're, we're ready to go out and share the gospel. We're ready to, uh, to give reason for the hope that lives within us. We're, we're ready to bring the gospel to every conversation that God allows us to do. And so, man, we're prepared. The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness. We got the, the shoes of the gospel. And we're ready to go. We're preparing for our day each and every morning. And, and then, uh, the Bible comes and, and tells us to put on the, the shield of faith, the shield of faith. And man, the shield of faith is so important. When we look at this, we, we understand that, uh, that we are to quench the fiery darts of Satan while living out our faith. We, we understand that he's going to come and attack us, but we're not going to fall in. We're not going to give in. We're not going to let him win because the power of the Holy Spirit lives within us. And if you remember, Pastor Grant showed us those, those big old shields that they used. Remember, they covered the whole body and for some reason, they didn't put that in the box. They just did this size. But they do this, and they could cover. But here's the thing. We've got the shield of faith, and man, she's looking more and more like a soldier each and every second, right? And so that's what we're doing in the morning. We're preparing. We're putting on our armor. And then we come, and we, we put on our, our, our helmet of salvation. Man, I do not want to fight you, all right? The helmet of salvation. And we've learned this morning that helmet of salvation is allowing us to continue on our journey with Christ. It's, it's saying, listen, man, some days aren't what they uh, are meant to be. Some days don't go the way we want. Some days we're more susceptible. We know this, that when trial temptation comes, what are we going to do? We're going to power through because we have the hope, the hope of the glorification, the hope of being with Christ one day, the hope that he says, listen, I am with you. I've never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And I will complete what I started. And then, man, we get, the, we get the sword, the sword of the Spirit. You good on that? Is that coming on? Good. The sword of the Spirit. Now, this is what a biblical Christian looks like daily. And we understand that that sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. And the Word of God makes every difference in our day-to-day life. So remember Pastor Grant talked about all those killer D's and man, I really thought it was important that we understand that there is a, hold on one second, that there is a preparedness that comes with putting on the armor. When you put on the armor of God, you are now prepared to face and overcome the killer D's. You remember the, the first killer D? It was, 
It was doubt. And when you have that doubt, it creeps in. And, but when you're prepared with the armor of God, doubt really doesn't have any place to stake around. And then when you have denial, maybe you're in denial, but, but you, know, like, you know, I'm prepared. I, I don't need to be in denial. And as we're prepared for the armor of God, we have discouragement. Man, I hate discouragement. Discouragement's horrible. But I know this, that I will be encouraged through the sword of the Spirit. And I have my armor on prepared to fight through that discouragement. And then we've got discontentment. I tell you what, this is one that runs rampant in Christian lives. Discontentment. I just wish. I just need. No, we have all we need. We're prepared with the armor of God. We need to be content in our life with Christ. So when discontentment comes our way, we're prepared in the armor. It doesn't have a place for it. Then we have um, diversion. When we're trying to be diverted, nope, no have any place for that. What about disregard? Nope, nope, we're not going to have let disregard have a place. And then we've got this, we've got disinterest. Now, this is where sometimes believers find ourselves when we've kind of been going through the motions. Kind of going through the motions. I'm checking off the box. I'm at the worship service. I'm even serving a little bit. But, you know, I'm really not interested. I'm just kind of something I do. No, no. When we're prepared with the armor of God, there is nothing disinteresting about following Christ. And then we've got this. We've got deception. Boy, isn't that the tool of the devil? Deception. He's going to deceive you. He's going to lie try to manipulate you. But when we're prepared for the armor of God, we know the truth. We know the false teaching to look out for. We know the false prophets. We know how to stay away from that because we're ready to go. We're not going to be deceived by the lies of Satan. Then destruction, man, every family has felt destruction at some point, whether it's your immediate family or extended family. But we know this, that, yeah, there's destruction. It happens. But God puts all the pieces back together. When we understand that, hey, this is about him and his glory, and he has a purpose in all things, although this is real and this is hard, it's difficult, God puts back the pieces. So we're not going to get caught up with destruction. What about this one, church? Disunity. Disunity. Folks, we cannot be the church of Jesus Christ and not be unified. That is nothing healthy or holy about that. We need to have civil conversations. We need to have conversations with purpose. We need to come together to worship the Lord in one spirit and one truth. You know what? We're not going to be a church that's disunified. We're going to be unity. So we're not even going to let that creep in because we're prepared with the armor on. What about this doctrinal confusion? We've talked about this already. There's no place for doctrinal confusion. We look to the Word of God and the Word of God only. And I will promise you this. I know as long as Grant Call is the pastor of our church and the elders are the elders of our church and we're on a staff at this church and you are a part of this church, we are not going to move away from that Bible. We're going to stick wholly on that Bible. Because here's the deal. You know, let's just be honest for a second. The church is being attacked. The truth of God's word is being attacked. And every day we see it, we face it, and we've got to make choices. How do we go about this? Folks, when you are solid on the doctrines of the word, you know when to put the enemy in its place very purposefully and boldly. And there's other times that you just have to have that moment where you just, you be strong, you be strong, you continue to do what God's called you to do, and we're like, God, take care of whatever else is going on. Look at this. What about this duplicity? There's no, there's no, there's no place for that. We definitely don't need to have one foot on both sides of the line. And then what about this? This is the big one. So children, listen up. You're here this morning in with us, and and I say children, but adults, we can find ourselves in disobedience as well. And sometimes disobedience is just what we're just not quite obeying all the way. And I think that's what happens with the armor of God many times, right? 
I got up and I put on the shield and I even put on the helmet, but man, I, I really don't want to put on the shoes this morning. Folks, God has intended for us to put every piece on so that we can be obedient to him. And obedience brings health and brings growth and maturity. And so we don't have a place for disobedience in our walk with the Lord. Thank you, Gabrielle. Let me help you down real quick, okay? Thank you for helping me. And so when we look at this and we we finish this morning, I just want to encourage you with a couple things. As believers, it's on the screen, as believers, we're to be prepared with the armor. Why? So we do not give into the enemy's lies and manipulation, allowing us to thrive in our relationship and walk with Jesus Christ. I don't know about you. I don't want to just have a so-so or ho-hum walk with Jesus. I want to thrive. I want my family to thrive. I want my friends to thrive. I want my workplace. I want my community. I want my church to thrive in their relationship with Jesus Christ. So Christians, families, this summer, here's the deal. We have an opportunity to daily put on the armor of God. Let's not be ill-prepared for the battle and the attacks that are certain to come. Let us do this. Let us be confident in Christ, in his salvation, and through his sword, the word of God. Let's pray. God, we come before you. We thank you for the opportunity to hear truth. We thank you for the opportunity to do that in a, in a fun way that, that brings light to what we're actually supposed to do. But God, even beyond the fun, it's the truth. The truth of your word. You've commanded us to put on the armor of God daily. Lord, let us not miss that opportunity. And Lord, today for the person for the first time who might be hearing your call for salvation, they're, they're ready to receive. Lord, will you simply just allow them to, to confess their sin? Lord, to place their faith and trust in you and to call you Lord. God, for the believer, let us be prepared and ready for the battles that we face. We want to give you glory and honor. It's your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, George. So church, true church, you know, I was thinking about as we were going through this, how many times do we read the account in the Gospels of things that disciples do or things they don't do <laughs> and the things that they say or the questions that they ask? And when it's in black and white, it's like, where have they been? How did they not get this? Or where are they paying attention to what Jesus is saying? And so we just heard this, and we hear about the armor of God as we go into our summer. If it's written out in black and white at the end of the summer, if we get to the end of summer and we look back and we didn't pick up our shield of faith and we didn't put on the shoes of the gospel and we didn't put on the helmet of salvation and instead we're stuck in some of these killer D's, we would look just as foolish as the disciples do sometimes. And we do not want to be there. Amen? You've got the tools. So... It, the, all the verses that George referenced, they're in the back on a sheet of paper, the, on both tables in the back, if you want to grab those as we go through this series on the armor of God, as we've gone through it. If you missed one or you want to be reminded, you can go online, you can watch the, the sermons, you can look at the notes. You have all of the tools at your disposal. So let's use them for God's glory. And as you go out this week, honor him, have a blessed week, and we will see you next week. You're dismissed.
That was a great message. It's so exciting to see how God is working through all of our lives in the vocations. I encourage you to reach out through our website. There's a Get Connected tab. We also are active on social media, Instagram and Facebook. And we have an app. If you have any questions, we're always available here for you at the office. Have a blessed week as we remember those who've fallen for our freedom.